What's going on, everybody, and welcome in to another edition of B-Shafe Daily. Brendan Schaefer here with you in the evening hours of Sunday, August 14th, 2022. I almost started saying KTGR. I felt like I was doing the the big show intro right there. I must have made my voice sound very official. I try to sound the same on both shows, but sometimes you get into that radio mode. You got to kind of kick yourself out of that. What's going on? Let's keep it casual and fun. That's what the Cardinals did on Sunday afternoon at Bush. Holy smokes, is Albert Pujols a stud or what? Albert Pujols coming up with maybe the moment of the year for the St. Louis Cardinals on Sunday afternoon, hitting not one home run, but two in the Cardinals' 6-3 win over the Milwaukee Brewers. As the Cardinals, they risked going back into second place in the division with a loss today. That's what would have happened Instead, the Cardinals get the win 6-3. to three. They improve to one and a half games ahead of the Brewers. And we can all exhale just a little bit because that was a crazy stretch for the Cardinals. Facing the Yankees in the same week as you had to go to Denver, which can be a little tricky, and then you get the Brewers in town. The Cardinals survived it with their lead intact, a game and a half over Milwaukee as they gear up for the stretch run a little bit. You've got the Rockies coming into town this week. We'll end up talking about what that series looks like, although there is a day off on Monday. So like I said, everybody's getting a chance to catch their breath. But for tonight's episode of B-Shape Daily, we're diving in on the Sunday win as the primary topic of conversation. As Miles Michaelis, he rebounds in a major way from his worst outing of the season, maybe the worst start of his career. I didn't check all the game logs from his time overseas, but it was a bad one for Miles last time out. Totally different version of a guy that I think is fair to call one of the Cardinals' aces this season. I think they've got two of them. I think Adam Wainwright qualifies. We saw what he did on Saturday in a losing effort, going nine innings and giving up just one run. When you go nine innings and it's not a complete game, somebody else messed up somewhere along the line. It wasn't you, Wayno. It was everybody else that let him down. But we talked about the circumstances behind that and why it happened. On Sunday, Miles Michaelis did not receive the same fate as the Cardinals' bats came to life. It was a little bit of a home run derby. So we'll talk about the guys who came through offensively for the Cardinals, and we'll talk about the biggest one of them all, the swing by Albert Pujols, the reaction to his home run, and we'll maybe try to dig into a little bit of audio if we can find some interesting comments from Sunday's game. But before we get into the content of the show, I want to remind you guys that you can check out B-Shape Daily and subscribe to the podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts as the two primary locations. Apple Podcasts, obviously, if you've got an iPhone. Spotify, if you don't, you can't really go wrong with either of those podcasting apps. But if you'd like to look elsewhere, head to anchor.fm slash bshafer12. Click on more platforms to find all the locations where B-Shape Daily can be found. If you'd like to support the show, there are a couple of ways you can do that. You can go to my Twitter, at bshafer12, give me a follow, and then you find the money tab there on the profile page where you will be linked to Cash App or Venmo if you'd like to support Bshafe Daily that way. You can also do so on a monthly basis by going to patreon.com slash bshafer12 and become a patron. And if you do it that way, you'll get some extra goodies as well as there will be regular blog posts and some Q&A podcasts as the season goes along. And even in the offseason, I'll be doing some zoo content over there, some sports betting content as well. So maybe that's something that non-baseball fans would be interested in. Although if you're not a baseball fan, I really don't know what you're doing here in the first place because we're talking Cardinals. 
today and always on B-Shape Daily. And let's jump right into it. Albert Pujols with the moment of the year. And I know it can be easy to get caught up in the recency bias and you only remember the thing that just happened because it's most prominent in your mind. But I don't think you're going to forget very soon the pose, first of all, the swing, 443 feet, the estimated distance of the home run that Albert Pujols hit in the eighth inning to basically seal the game for the Cardinals in what had been a, a, a long emotional game, right? I mean, you're playing the division rival that you're fighting for the division against, and it's a close game throughout. The Cardinals didn't have the lead until the Dylan Carlson home run earlier in that same eighth inning, which would have been one of the best moments of the year, right? Like, you go back and forth with the Brewers all day. Milwaukee took the lead in the second inning. The Cardinals scored one in the second, another in the sixth to tie the game. But otherwise, it's a bunch of goose eggs on the board for both sides. And you're going into the bottom of the eighth inning thinking, how are we going to avoid having the same thing happen to Miles Michaelis that happened to Adam Wainwright one day prior. That's got to be the thought process of the offense. And on Saturday, you understood it. Corbin Burns is one of the best pitchers in the game, and the Cardinals couldn't beat him, couldn't beat the Milwaukee bullpen uh, until it was was too late, and they had already allowed a couple runs in the top of the 10th with the Manfred man. And we talked a lot yesterday about Corey Dickerson taking a poor route to that Hunter Renfro hit that ended up being a triple in the top of the 10th. Colton Wong drove him in, and so those things happen. You want to avoid putting yourself in that situation for the second day in a row. So, like, the pressure is on the Cardinals' offense there going into the eighth inning. And how about Dylan Carlson first coming up with a big swing? Like I said, that there's a world in which that's a huge moment we remember from today. And it should be because having Dylan burst out with that swing, having Tyler O'Neill do the same thing in the sixth inning with his solo home run that landed on Freeze's lawn, those are two guys that were batting one and two in the order on Saturday, or pardon me, on Sunday in this 6-3 to three win. And you needed both of those guys to do what they did today, obviously. And you need both of them going forward to become, again, significant offensive contributors in this lineup. Carlson, we've talked a lot about his struggles recently. We've stumped for Lars Nupar to be the leadoff man, especially against right-handed pitching. And it sounds like that's going to be something that Ollie Marmel strongly considers on a regular basis. But against the lefty today, Carlson was back up there just like we expected that he would be. But that being said, you're not too thrilled about his recent performance out of the leadoff spot. Even after the home run today, it was just that one hit, one for four for Carlson. His OPS for the year is 701. You're getting into dangerous territory there, and certainly not the territory that you would expect of a leadoff man, uh, like a regular leadoff man for a top contending team in the league. You want the Cardinals to be legitimate contenders. And I would say on most legitimate contenders, if you're if your leadoff man, your regular leadoff guy is batting 236 with a 701 OPS and an on-base percentage that frankly is not befitting of an everyday leadoff man because Dylan Carlson at this point in the season has an OBP of 306. You know, that that's underwhelming at best, and you don't want to see Carlson slip any further into the wrong direction. So the fact that he comes up with a huge swing today, golfing that big home run from the right side off of Taylor Rogers, who, again, that's the guy that the Brewers acquired for Josh Hader. 
I know they got other pieces. I've talked about that outfielder Asturi Ruiz being a guy that I think could be relevant for the Brewers into the future. They got Robert Gasser. He's a young pitching prospect that's down at like double A. But, you know, in terms of a one-for-one swap, they sent Josh Hader to San Diego and they brought Taylor Rogers in to replace him directly into the bullpen. So he's the guy in that spot. If it weren't for that trade, you'd have seen Josh Hader in this spot today, I think, maybe even in the eighth inning, or it would have been Devin Williams with Hader looming, one of those types of deals. But Taylor Rogers is the guy that they got. And I'll tell you what, I can't imagine a day like today inspires a whole lot of confidence within that Brewers clubhouse in Taylor Rogers, giving up the home run to Carlson and then ultimately giving it up to Albert Pujols. But maybe that's a commentary on Craig Council more than anything. I was listening to the radio broadcast after the game, and even John Rooney mentioned he was surprised, and I think maybe many were surprised, that Craig Council didn't go to a right-handed pitcher to counteract Pujols in that spot. Cardinals had left Pujols in for a previous at-bat in the seventh, I believe it was, where the matchup didn't favor the Cardinals, but you're just waiting for that opportunity because you know that Rodgers is one of those pitchers that the Brewers have to rely upon now. They traded Josh Hader, and Taylor Rodgers happens to be a lefty, so if you're the Cardinals, if you're Ollie Marmel, and again, we are obviously in the, in the business of second-guessing things and dissecting and analyzing every little element of a game, so we're going to talk about the things that go wrong when Ollie Marmel makes a decision that could have gone either way. Yesterday was an example of that with the Corey Dickerson thing. We analyzed that to death, and we don't know that the outcome would have been any different on Saturday had Corey Dickerson not come in for Lars Newtbar there because of the way Ollie deployed his bench offensively prior in the game. But we do know the Cardinals lost, and that was the outcome. So we analyzed those things. But to be fair, we've got to go the opposite direction and mention when Ollie Marmel pulls the right strings or when he just stays firm on a guy and says Albert's going to stay in the game here, even though this particular situation, taking him out might be the best idea, it, it would potentially be short-sighted to do so. And so when Albert Pujols struck out against Matt Bush in the seventh inning, that was an opportunity to lead off that inning that Ollie Marmel gave him, not knowing that there would be an opportunity later against Taylor Rogers, but you could probably guess there would be whether it's the eighth inning or the ninth inning, he didn't know how that game was going to unfold, but you figure getting a few guys on base over the next couple of innings would give Albert a chance to bat again. Leading off the seventh, you're going to bat in the ninth unless it's one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, the rest of the game. So I think Ollie had that in the back of his mind saying, all right, we're going to sacrifice this one here, but there's a pretty good chance Albert Pujols could see Taylor Rogers down the road. And even if he doesn't, we trust in the at-bats that Albert is taking right now. And so that's the way Ali Marmel went with this one, and thank goodness he did because it provided the moment of the year, I think, to this point. Let me know at B. Schaefer 12 which moments I'm missing, but then let me know if you genuinely believe those moments. And don't get me wrong, there have been some very good ones for the Cardinals in 2022, but if you genuinely believe those moments were better than this. First pitch to him. Albert into deep left center. never even moved 443 feet 109 off the bat his second home run of the day and soon to be his second curtain call 
Like, are you kidding me with that? Danny Mack of Valley Sports Midwest on the call. Unbelievable call, by the way, by Danny Mack. And in that video, you could hear that some replays were going on. And boy, is it sad that this is an audio podcast because really all we should be doing today is just replaying the moment of Albert Pujols looking into the Cardinals dugout and yelling, this is our house. And basically, I I don't, there were debate over this. Was it the Superman gesture ripping the shirt open or was it just kind of crossing his arms to say, this is over, this is our house and nobody comes into our house and beats us. Not happening today. That was the vibe that I got from the Albert Pujols expression. I don't know that it was a Superman thing so much as it was just like a na 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 na. This is our house. No, this isn't happening today. I'm calling game right here, right now. Because that's the vibe I got watching Albert Pujols, and that is the coolest thing I have seen all year for the St. Louis Cardinals. The home run was great. It was majestic. It was fantastic. It sent Bush Stadium into a frenzy. But watching the replay of his reaction to the home run is the thing I don't think I'll ever forget. That Albert Pujols, age 42, hits home runs 688 and 689 in the same game against the Milwaukee Brewers, locked in a race for first place in the NL Central. Cardinals came into today a half game up. This is Albert Pujols at 42 years old. He's a part-time player. He's he's not in the game every day. He knew that coming in the season, he wouldn't be. But you know what he does do? He crushes lefties. I remember in March, we were talking about, hey, Albert Pujols, this is a good thing. This is not just nostalgia going on here. This is Albert Pujols can hit tanks against lefties. And people said, well, is that sustainable? Sure, he did it last year, but... You know, is that just a small sample size? Nope. Nope, not not a small sample size thing. It's real. It's real, and we found it out at least so far in 2022. The platoon numbers for Albert this year are astounding, and it's why the Cardinals have handled this thing so perfectly. Because he's taken such... He's taken those at-bats against lefties when they've arisen. Now... I'd have him in there every possibility against a lefty. They pretty much do that, but it's surprising. This is, again, this is coming into today because I don't think that this is updated on baseball reference, which I hate, and so maybe tomorrow people can remind me to look it up, but I think if I were to stay up late enough to have it update, and that's happened before, like mid-podcast, it's updated. Hopefully tonight is not one of those nights I really do need to get to bed, but Coming into today, Albert had a 958 OPS against lefties with a 338 average, a 581 slug on the season. A 958 OPS. That's like, that's better than Arenado has been overall this season. That's what Albert does against lefties. And the numbers just went up. He just hit two more home runs today against left-handed pitching. So I don't think there's any doubt. This isn't nostalgia. This is not sentimentality. This is... Albert Pujols filling a role in helping the Cardinals win games in a significant way in 2022. That's a sentence that I just said, and it's real. (laughs) Like, it's actually true. 
that he's done these things this year against left-handed pitching. He's he's a 950 OPS. Go look at the course of Albert Pujols' entire career. He had some really ridiculous years. Those first 11 years, I don't know if that'll ever be done again. I don't think it's ever been done since. Not Mike Trout. Mike Trout didn't do that. Mike Trout hit like 190 his first cup of coffee in the big leagues. Albert Pujols came out at 21 years old and OPS over 1,000. That's what that's what Albert Pujols did. But there were years in that stretch, his second year in the league. He OPS 955. Most of the years he OPSed over 1,000 because he's a freak. 2010, he OPSed 11, uh, pardon me, 1011, so 1,011. And then his final year with the Cardinals before leaving for the Angels, his OPS declined to 906, which is still really fantastic, but it was the worst year of his career to that point. And he was still really good that year. Albert Pujols against lefties this year is those are his numbers. It's vintage Albert, and he's doing it in 2022. His OPS for the season, because it does include the right-handed uh, right-handed pitching, pardon me, that he's faced. He's actually faced more righties. He's had more at bats against righties than lefties because there there are more righties than lefties. And even though the Cardinals try to isolate it as much as they can, occasionally they do give him those opportunities. Things happen, and, and you need to. But his OPS overall this season is 784. That's like about Nolan Gorman territory. Like, he's been that guy this year, a legitimate producing player. It's not just we're having old Albert around because it's nice and it'll make the fans happy. This dude's helping the Cardinals win. And today was as big of an example of that as we have seen all year from him. And it does make you wonder a little bit, right? He hits number 688 and 689 today. What's to keep him from like, all right, I could I could do this for one more year, right? Now he wouldn't have Yachty there. And I know that's probably a big part of of him being here in 2022 is being alongside Yachty, but Yachty was gone for 6 weeks and didn't seem to bother Albert any. He's fine. He still was part of the team. I just wonder if if there's a thought to trying to get to 700 after all. Say he gets I don't know, 6 or 7 more homers the rest of the year, which would be a higher amount than the pace he's on, but he's been on a ridiculous pace since the All-Star break. I think that's the numbers I want to look up. But again, it's not going to be on there until tomorrow. If you, This is something I'll just reach out to everybody and say. If you know a better website where I can isolate performance in a game log than Baseball Reference, let me know. Because maybe there is one that's already updated. But I just like on Baseball Reference, you can literally click and sort it exactly to what day you want. And so I enjoy that aspect of it. But... The one downside is I don't have the ability to get them to update their stats in time. So today's game isn't even on there. But before today, and since the All-Star break, his OPS overall was 1085. So now it's certainly over 1100. He was batting 375. He's probably pushing a 400 average since the All-Star break. With just ridiculous slugging numbers, like he's doing that. Doesn't matter who he's facing, lefties, righties, hasn't mattered. He's mashed. So I don't know if he can get to 695, 690, I think what what's A Rod? 696? Yeah, Alex Rodriguez is potentially within play for Albert. He's seven away right now. I just don't see him getting to seven hundred. And I and I hate to say that on his best day of the season, but it's just a math equation. Unless he really goes on a stretch here the next couple of weeks where he knocks four or five more, 
maybe gets into some situations where, I mean, it's happened before. He's faced position players and has homered off them. That happened in Pittsburgh. You never know. There could be ways to pad those stats late in the year, but he's still got to physically hit the dingers. But what if he gets really close? Would he come back for next year? I think probably not, but it is going to be something people talk about if he gets that close, kind of like A-Rod did, and people were surprised, wow, A-Rod's going to step away four homers from 700. I'll be curious to see what that ends up looking like for Albert Pujols. But today, if nothing else, was really, really fun for Cardinals fans and was important in the context of the division race. It's such a better look to be up one and a half than down by 0.5. Massive swing on Albert's massive swing. And it ended up being that the home run was necessary. I mentioned Dylan's in the top of the, uh, or pardon me, the bottom of the eighth, the very beginning of that inning against Taylor Rogers. Mentioned the surprise that they went with Rogers still to face Albert. Ended up working out for the Cardinals because it's a three run shot. It makes it six to two at that point. And I had mentioned Tyler O'Neill earlier in the game. Homer's the solo shot that tied it in the sixth. Those are huge swings for the Cardinals. Needed them, and hopefully they get Carlson and O'Neill going because those are two key pieces that we have continued to harp on, just not quite getting it done on a regular basis for this offense. But they did today, and that made it 6-2. to two. Ryan Helsley comes in, four-run game, not a safe situation, but you're off day on Monday. You're putting all hands on deck to make sure you get that win. And the Cardinals do so despite Helsley giving up a solo home run. He's, he got to be. He better be careful. His ERA is zero point nine two. If if he's not careful, he is going to get up over a one ERA. And at that point, the Cardinals probably have to DFA him. I don't make the rules around here, guys. It you just you just don't want to be over a one ERA, or people start to ask the difficult questions. But the other pitcher today that we want to talk about for the Cardinals was Miles Michaelis. How about the bounce-back performance by Miles, whose ERA is 3.44? I don't think that quite gives justice to the season that he has had to this point because I'm pretty sure prior to, what was it, Tuesday in Colorado, August 9th, whatever day that was. Yeah, that was Tuesday. Prior to that, his ERA for the season was below 3, 2.92, and it went up to 3.5 because he gave up 10 runs and 14 hits in two and two-thirds innings on Tuesday. That wasn't good. Adam Wainwright, what did he give up on the Sunday against the New York Yankees? Like six runs, couldn't get through more than four innings, I think four-plus innings and six runs for Wainwright in that game. You know you have two aces when what they do following one of those bad starts is they provide the outings that Wainwright and Michaelis have done over the past two days. Wainwright, nine innings, one run, was robbed of a complete game that he he earned. It's just the offense didn't get the hits that they needed to to give it to him officially. Miles Michaelis today, ace-like. Eight innings, two runs allowed, four hits, no walks, and gave up one home run. And Miles had six strikeouts. The no walks over eight innings is just... I mean, that's that's cruising. That's impeccable control. Throws 99 pitches to get through eight. He certainly could have gone the ninth, I would think. That's kind of an underrated element of this game where you go, man, complete game was definitely on, on the table for Miles. Uh, and when you get that four-run lead, maybe a little surprising they didn't give it to him. But I just think Ali Marmel doesn't care for that. He doesn't care about the sentiment of that. Win the game. It's exactly what he said on Friday when they used Ryan Helsley for two innings. Yeah, we're going to win the game, and we'll worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. 
You take it. You have a chance to lock down a win against the Brewers. Yes, you're going to do that. You're going to use your guy for two innings, come what may. It paid off because they got to use Ryan Helsley on Sunday. I think if you try to squeeze him into Saturday's game, say he goes one inning Friday, one inning Saturday, that takes him off the block for Sunday, and you still may not win Saturday's game. Giovanni Gallegos, again, that ball could have been caught by Corey Dickerson, probably would have been caught by Lars Nupar in the top of the 10th inning on Saturday. I'm not blaming Gio for that loss. I thought he even threw a good pitch. It was like 93-94 over the top of the strike zone. I don't really know. It's just a good swing a guy put on it. So I'm not ripping Gio for that loss on Saturday. I didn't yesterday, and I won't now in retrospect talking about it. I think Ollie made the right decision to lock it down with Helsley on Friday. And what that meant, and this was thinking ahead, I think he knew this the entire time, it meant that you'd have him for an inning on Sunday. And if you have Ryan Helsley for an inning, and you know that there's an off day on Monday, throw the man. Circumstances don't matter. And it worked out. It got a little bit dicey, gave up the home run, gave up another hit, but was able to lock it down from there and guarantee that when Albert called game, that really did mean game. And we'll go ahead and take an opportunity here to hear from Albert Pujols from after the game, courtesy of Bally Sports on this audio posted to their Twitter account. You'll hear Katie Wu ask Albert what he was trying to communicate to the dugout with the gesture after the home run. And I'll let you, and again, Albert had, there's about three and a half minutes that was posted to Bally's Twitter account from Albert postgame. Albert is very dry in postgame media, even after a game like today, you listen to it and you go, yeah, he didn't really say a lot about himself. That's just how he is. I do think Albert's had a lot more fun this year in a lot of different ways. He's allowing himself to enjoy the game in ways that I don't think he did. Certainly his first trip around with the Cardinals at the time, it was just that time of his career. He was so locked in on everything. He didn't allow himself to have much fun. Still not sure how much fun he has in these media scrums, but I'll go ahead and I mean, we got to hear from the guy. Right, we got to hear from the guy after a day like today. But just to give you an idea of of where he's at, here's this question from Katie and his response to it as to uh, the emotions he was trying to communicate to the to the Cardinals dugout. And believe me, we've talked a lot about it. It was very compelling what Albert did. The gesture it got everyone fired up. Ollie Marmel was fired up. There's a picture the Cardinals posted. You can make out Ollie in the background pointing directly at Albert just losing his mind. Everybody was. But Albert, you know, he he kind of keeps it, he kind of keeps the emotions in check in these environments. So let's hear what Albert had to say after this question from Katie. Albert, you had such an emphatic reaction on that second home run. What what are you trying to communicate or the emotions are you trying to show? to? The- There's nothing coming to communicate to anybody. This is just part of the game. This is part of the game. Q series, you, you know. You're going to see that from a lot of our guys. DC did it, you know. It's uh, just part of the game, you know. It's, uh, it's a fun series, fans for the fans. And whenever you get a QC like that, you know, I mean, just whatever comes out of you. This is not something that you plan on and say, I'm going to do this. It's just something that you react with. And it's a QC are bad, you know. Q situation right there. DC, you know, give us that league. And then I came up and hit that three-run run, run. Obviously, to give a little bit more cushion. But... At the, end, at the end of the day, it's, it's whatever comes out, and that's it. I don't try to communicate anything to the team. I'm Albert, just trying to uh, be myself. Like and there was Albert Pujols kind of getting cut off at the end there, which is something that you cringe a little. I never – it's happened before, and you hate when it happens because you maybe just think the guy's done talking, and you start asking a question, and, oh, crap, that's no good. But he says he's just trying to be himself. 
But is that not like the human personification of the Albert Pujols ESPN Sports Center commercial from back in the day? When he says, I'm, I'm no machine, guys, just Albert, not a machine. You're probably familiar the fax machine in the ESPN offices. And then the guy leaves the room and he goes, why didn't you eliminate him, Albert? And then he goes, shut up. <laughs> but isn't that what he sounds like in real life talking about a game in which he hit two home runs? And he says, I'm not trying to communicate anything. That's just emotions. Like he's just always trying to say with that. It was kind of a long answer. All he's trying to say is, ah, it's just emotions of the game. But he's always got that little prickliness to him, right? Like it's a little bit, it's not even that it's defensive, but it's just a little prickly where it's like, well, no, I wasn't trying to to say anything extra to the team. That's just uh, the way the emotions of the game work out, right? That's DC did it. He said, I just love hearing from Albert. And it doesn't bother me either that that's just kind of his nature in these post-game interviews a lot of times. it Maybe he is no machine, just Albert, but I don't know. I mean, he's a baseball mashing machine. And then you get into, and Goldie's like this too, right? Goldie doesn't like to talk about himself or his accomplishments. He wants to talk about it in the context of the team. And the very first question that Albert was asked, he kind of went into that. And I won't play it for you because you've heard it probably a hundred times over in Albert's career previously. But he says, I'm just happy to be able to contribute to the team. And he means it. He means it. He just, he's focused on the ultimate goal. But that guy that pointed into the Cardinals dugout and put his hands across his chest with a gesture that said, this is our house and they're not doing this to us today. That guy wants another World Series ring. That's what it says to me. He doesn't have to sit there and say it today. And he has many times say, hey, the ultimate goal is a World Series. I'm just happy to contribute. He can give the company line, but it's real. Like, that's how he feels. And with that swing today, he put the Cardinals one step closer to potentially being able to accomplish that. Because it does matter, by the way. To win this division is going to matter significantly for the Cardinals, even in a watered-down era where it's expanded playoffs and now there's three wild cards. If you look at the standings, this it's not safe right now. It's not safe for Cardinals fans. Because the Mets are on top in the East by five and a half games over the Braves. They've got 75 wins. The Cardinals have 63. The Cardinals are 11 and a half games. Like if they were in the division, same division as the Mets, they'd be 11 and a half back. The Dodgers, they're even better than the Mets. They're 79 and 34. They're winning at almost a 700% rate. Their, their win percentage is 699. It's pretty nice. Cardinals aren't catching the Dodgers. They're not catching the Mets in the standings. It's not going to happen. So what that means is, the NL Central winner is going to be the three seed in the National League table this season. And then you've got three wild cards. The four, five, and six seeds are going to have to match up in a best two out of three against one another. And the NL Central winner will get to have that series at home, but the NL Central loser might not get to have a series at all. The Braves right now have a 603 winning percentage. They've won 70 games. They're looking locked into a wild card. The Padres, 65 and 52. They would be the second wild card as of right now. Third wild card? Well, the next best percentage is the Phillies at 63 and 51. They have a 553 winning percentage. The Cardinals are 63 and 51 with a 553 winning percentage. So 
right now the Brewers are out of the playoffs. If it ended today, if the season ended today, 61-52, and 52, they're a game and a half behind the Cardinals. They're also a game and a half behind the Phillies. But what that means is if the Cardinals slip up and they finish the season behind both the Brewers and the Phillies, assuming the Padres don't collapse and the Atlanta Braves don't collapse, which the Atlanta Braves have collapsed before. I remember 2011 seemed to be a year that they uh, didn't finish so good down the stretch. But the point is, if everything else holds and the Cardinals don't remain ahead of Milwaukee and they don't get ahead of Philadelphia, they're out. So this division title does mean something because the NL Central loser may not make a wild card this year. The Phillies have played better recently. Seven out of their last ten, they've elevated their game, and it could be Cardinals or Brewers getting to October, not both. So for the Cardinals to win that game today, move to a game and a half up on Milwaukee, where now the Brewers have to face the Dodgers for four, and then they get the Cubs, but then they get the Dodgers once again. Seven out of the Brewers' next ten games will be against Los Angeles. So Cardinals fans, I think you can do it. You can root for the Dodgers and the Cubs over the next week and a half. I know it might feel a little icky, but I think it's probably worth it in the end because uh, it's for the division. But just a crazy game, crazy weekend at Bush Stadium. Cardinals come up with the win, 6-3 to three, over the Milwaukee Brewers. Kind of did it on a home run derby, but when you get four home runs, that's just fine. You'll take them any way you get them. We'll see what the Cardinals are able to come up with when they resume play against the Rockies on Tuesday at Bush Stadium. They get the off day on Monday. I think this is a good time for the Cardinals to get that day off, by the way. I think this this can benefit them. They had the day off last Monday, but this was, a, I think, somewhat an emotional week. And so they get a chance to reset. Jose Quintana, who just faced the Rockies in his last outing, will get him again on Tuesday. He's been good in his first two starts for the Cardinals, and now he'll get to face that same Colorado lineup, but he'll get to do so at Bush. And he did pretty well out in Denver, so I feel like you can expect him to maybe do well again. Cardinals hit Kyle Freeland pretty well last week, and they'll get another chance to see the lefty on Tuesday. Hey, if you haven't been to a Cardinals game this year and you think there's a chance to pull it off for Tuesday, I might recommend doing that because Albert Pujols, you'd have to think, would be in the lineup. Facing the lefty, you'd think Albert would be in there. His average against Freeland, 294 in his career. Still looking for his first home run against Kyle Freeland, but maybe that's one that he can come up with on Tuesday. We'll see. 700. I don't think it's it's going to happen, but I you can't say it's impossible the way he's going since the All-Star break. So we'll have to wait and see. But appreciate you guys as always. I think we're going to wrap up the podcast here. Thank you so much for listening to Be Shaved Daily. Make sure to subscribe to the show, follow on Twitter, and check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash bshafer12. Appreciate you guys, and we'll talk to you next time on Bshafe Daily. Peace.